So we are in the middle of this series that we're calling Be the Church. And the reason that we've called it Be the Church is because in the middle of all the turmoil and all the chaos and everything that's going on right now, we just felt like it was really important for us to go back and get true north again. Why are you born again? Why am I born again? Why are we Christians? And why did God put us together and call us the church? And so for the last five weeks, we've been studying the inception, the conception of the church. And we're getting a really clear picture of what the early Christians, the first century Christians had to go through as they formed this thing we call the church. And within a few weeks after the church was birthed, we see that over 10% of the whole city of Jerusalem had been converted. And even the Jewish priests had been converted, a lot of them. And so the church got really powerful really quick. And because of that, they began to have freedoms and comforts, different things that should have equipped them to do the great commission that Jesus gave them to do. But it actually, it made them lazy. It made them want to stay in their comfort zones. And then they had a huge disruption of all of this through the persecution that occurred because of the stoning of a man named Stephen. And so we're asking ourselves, has the church gotten comfortable? Have we gotten comfortable as Christians? Are we just being converts? Christians, or are we actually being true disciples? And so we're asking, what is true discipleship? What? And so I want to talk today, how do you know? Are you just a convert? Or are you a true disciple of Jesus? You see, Jesus had spent three and a half years developing his disciples. And as he left, he gives them the one mandate. And and this mandate is represented in all four gospels as well as the book of Acts. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus tells them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what I've commanded you. And then he said, remember, I'm always with you. So we see that he is telling those that are his disciples that you need to spread the gospel, baptizing people. And then I want you to teach them. And then don't forget, I am with you. And then in Mark 6, 15, Mark quotes Jesus as simply saying, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to everybody. Now, Luke, he wrote not only the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And so he gives us different places where Jesus explains this. In Luke, before he died in 2446, he explains that he's going to suffer and he's going to raise from the dead on the third day. And then he says, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all nations, starting with Jerusalem. And so he's foreshadowing what he's going to tell them later. He said, start in Jerusalem and work your way out. And then later, Luke would write in Acts 1, 8, he says that Jesus told them after he rose from the dead that they would receive power, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem. And then he goes ahead and expands into Samaria, Judea, and all the earth. And then um, John also records it where Jesus tells them, look, this is why I'm sent. And now it's your turn. I'm sending you. And so there's no question as to why we exist and why we are born again. And that everything that's been done for us is to that end. See, as a church, we do all the means well. The church in America, we do all kinds of things well. We do music and worship well. We do teaching very well. We do outreach very well. But all of those things are supposed to be for one purpose, which is our mandate, and that is to make disciples. 
So the question that we ask ourselves, is it working? Are we doing that? Or have the means to an end actually become the end? How do we know? How, do, how can we tell if we're actually doing the Great Commission? And there's one way to tell. You see, Jesus actually gives us a litmus test to tell if we are his disciples. Look with me in John 13 and verse 34. Jesus says this, and you've heard it before. A new commandment I give you, that you would love one another just as I have loved you. You are also supposed to love one another. And by this, listen carefully, he says, by this, everybody will know you're my disciples. It's not only the fact that you are my disciples if you love each other, but everybody, the whole world is going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And so my friends, love is a litmus test for if we are his disciples, love of one another. And to be, to be honest, that should concern some Christians because the church in the U.S. has as much or more division than the world around it does. And listen, living word, we've got to be different. See, as a whole, does, does society look at love within the church as a beacon of light? I mean, do they look at it as an example? Are we poster children for love? Or do they see us openly criticizing each other? Or that we're hopping from church to church because of disp disputes that are small and petty in the shadow of the great commission that Jesus asked us to do. Look, you don't have to agree with me in order to love me. Nobody has to agree with your plight in order to actually love you. You see, somewhere we mistook agreement for love. They're not the same. You see, living word has to be different. It's obvious the world is looking for love. And how ironic that they're looking for love, but love for one another is actually supposed to be what we're known for. See, I, we have pastors that are afraid to speak up to things that pertain to the most important thing, which is love. And that's why people said that I was brave to say that killing unborn babies was anything but love. But that's not brave. It's just love. People told me I was brave back in February before all this happened when we simply said we need to love across racial lines. I was brave for doing an in-house diversity forum so that we could understand each other who are not like us and love each other. But, but that's not brave. It's just love. They say that you never know what's in a teabag until hot water is applied. So right now, we are really seeing the real state of the church, of our love for each other. And actually, I am extremely proud of you as a congregation because the vast, vast majority of you are walking in love. And an overarching majority of you are, walk, are walking in love and you're focused on spreading the love of God and the message that He is the, the answer to all of this. And you understand that love is the litmus test of if we are his disciples. Because living word is different. As a whole, we have proven that we are spiritually mature enough to love each other through our disagreements. As a whole, we are, we are not challenging people to unfriend us if they don't agree with us. We're not looking down at people that, that see things differently or vote differently or, or, or think differently. And I am super proud of us that we are mature enough to love even Melissa and I, leadership, even through disagreements or mistakes that we might make. I'm not talking about immoral, unethical, or illegal. But as your pastor, 
there's no way that we're not going to make a step somewhere. We're not going to make a misstep somewhere in the middle of all this. And as far as I can tell, few, if any, pastors have had to lead a congregation as politically and, and racially diverse as this, as we have through uh, civil unrest that rivaled the 68 riots on the heels of a polarizing pandemic. And we've got an election, a presidential election coming up that could be the most tentious and polarizing election in our nation's history. <laughs> Listen. There is no way that we're all gonna agree on everything. And listen, we don't have to agree on 100%. You don't have to agree 100% with me on absolutely everything. And that's actually not gonna happen. But I am so proud of Living Word because as a whole, you all are supporting Melissa and I, the enormity of the encouraging text, prayers, and messages that we receive. And that's not why we do this, but I will tell you that it is a huge source of encouragement. And thank you to each and every one of you that has encouraged us through this. And it's not that we're gonna get everything right. We're not gonna please everybody, but it's that we're addressing things head on and just praying through and doing our best to listen to the Holy Spirit when all the shouting is so loud. I am so proud of Living Word, of you, because you're not leaving the church family that God planted you in because others in the church hurt you, or maybe I said something that you didn't understand or agree with. In the middle of the chaos that is the world right now, you, Living Word, you are strong. So if you're watching today and you can put some love in the comments for your church right there, go ahead and give, us, give some love to your church in the comments right now, because Living Word is different. And the reason that we're different is because we understand that love is the litmus test for if we are his disciples. I, I'm, I'm thinking that the Holy Spirit led me to do Higher Love, that series back in February. I think he knew what was coming and we were prepped for this. And I think that a lot of us, myself included, I mean, I've gone back and began to listen to those. In fact, I, I even asked the Holy Spirit, could I just preach that whole series again? Just verbatim. I mean, just like it is. But we are strong and unified together. And for that, Melissa and I are incredibly proud to be your pastors. So the challenge that we have in 2020 is to keep our focus on why we are church collectively and what we are born again to do individually and not let any of these other things. These are really important issues, but we cannot let them drown out the one purpose that Jesus gave you and he gave me. You see, everything that we have, everything that we fight for is for one reason and one reason alone. The freedoms that we have, the freedoms that we fight for, the promises of God that we have and receiving them like healing and, and provision and boldness, the understanding and the love that we are developing for people who think differently, all of these things. Everything is for the purpose to proclaim the good news to those that are hurting and far from God, and then to make them into disciples of Christ so that they can in turn do the same with others. And so we're asking ourselves, it's easy to ask collectively, are we doing that? But I'm asking you and me individually, is that your focus? Is everything that you're fighting for, is everything that you're doing, are all the gifts and the blessings and the skills that you have, are they all for that one purpose? The church for, in America, I'm concerned because it seems like the church in America as a whole has forgotten their cause somewhere along the way. 
it became about a service once a week for an hour. And I believe that this is why the church in America has a problem getting along. Because they're not all pushing to one calling, to one mandate from Jesus, and therefore there is infighting. And suddenly, whether you think the way I think becomes so important, and I'm telling you the living word, we are different because we understand that love is the litmus test that shows that we are his disciples. And we wanna make sure that that infighting, that doesn't begin to happen to us. See, you are strong, but we don't want this to happen. So we're asking the question, why is it happening in the church within the US? Why are we so good at worship and teaching and outreach and all the other means with all the freedoms that our country affords in order to make disciples, and yet we seem to be really bad at actually making disciples. Usually when a church grows, most of that growth comes from people coming from other churches, not from people giving their lives to Christ and being baptized and and made into disciples. So why is that? Why aren't people sharing their faith and discipling others? Could be self-centeredness, I mean, could people really be saying, thank you, God, for all the goodness and the blessings that you've given us in order to make disciples, but I think I'm just going to spend all that goodness on myself. Or, you know what, I'll share my faith by my actions, but I don't really need to use my words. I don't need to actually lead people to Christ or spend any time to mentor them in the faith. And I think that those things happen sometimes, but I think the biggest thing is this is that we don't know how to actually be a true disciple. We understand Christianity, but how do you be a true disciple? Much less, how do we disciple somebody else? See, if love is the litmus test for how we are his disciples or how people know that we are his disciples, that see, love is the answer in the back of the book to see if you are a disciple. But we have to actually learn how to work the problem and not just look in the back of the book. And see, this is one of the issues because we're, we're all trying to get to the answer of love and just trying to love, but we don't know how to work the problem to get there. But the good news is that Jesus, he was training and mentoring the very first, the first disciples for three and a half years and they documented it. And we get to see how he did it because he was very clear about what it looks like. And here's how you become a disciple. Here's how I become a disciple. First of all is complete dedication and relationship with God. That is the foundation of absolutely everything. Jesus actually said there'll be people that get to heaven and uh, because they understood the authority of the word, they cast out devils, they prophesied, they did all these things. They used these spiritual gifts and yet they had no relationship with him. And he would say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And so that's the foundation is your utter and complete dedication to him above all else and your relationship with him. Secondly, is understanding and exercising your authority in Christ. See, there are plenty of people that have relationship with God and they get to heaven, but life on earth consists, it's just consistently life happening to them instead of them affecting the world around them through their authority in Christ. And that is a pivotal part of being a disciple. Jesus shared it with his disciples. He taught them how to use their authority in in him. And then thirdly is servanthood and being others centered. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. 
You see, he modeled servanthood for us and being other-centered. You see this all through his life was he was focused on others and taking care of and loving others. And he seemed to focus on those that were hurting and downtrodden and those that society had kicked aside. And this is where we have the fruit of the Spirit, other-centered. And then here's the fourth one, and this is, this is important. If you were a disciple, you are going to be sharing your faith and mentoring others in the faith. Because here's the thing. See, Jesus trained his disciples, and then the Great Commission, the mandate that he gave the disciples and us, was to make more disciples. And so the thing is, is that disciples, disciple, disciples. So if you're not discipling a disciple, then the question is, are you a disciple? And so when those, things, when those four things happen, we are growing in those constantly, then we are his disciple. And when we do those, we are naturally going to pass the litmus test for if we are his disciples, which means that we are loving of each other. And so we, as we look into the future, with everything going on right now, and we see the open window that we have to share love. And we look just down the road into the future and we see people needing help because they're losing hope or angry. We see people looking for answers. Listen, society is not going to give them this. What is going on right now in society? I, got, I think we gotta hit it from every angle, but at the very end of the day, heart. People's hearts being changed is what has to happen. And that happens through love. And not hypocritical love, but love that is founded on us being disciples, sharing His love, having relationship with God, understanding our authority in Him, sharing His love, and mentoring others. So what would it look like? What if each one of us, as an individual, grew in our relationship with God, dedicated and sold out to Him, and, and we're growing in our authority in Christ, and we're learning to speak the word, signs and wonders, and, and if we were servants to each other and to the world, and if we were sharing our faith and bringing others in and mentoring them in the faith, what would that be like in your life if that was the person that you are? I know there's something inside every Christian that wants that exact same thing to be used. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would draw us in. And I'm praying that you can be that, that picture that I just painted, I know that you can be that because it was who you were born again to be. What would it look like if a church our size, there's about 300 active families within our church, and a church our side, if we all began to dig in and to grow in our relationship with God and our authority in Christ and our love and servanthood of others. And then we were sharing our faith and we were mentoring others in the faith. What kind of amazing, amazing thing could God do within our community and in our world? I believe in this church, we are different because as a whole, Listen, not everybody's gonna behave. We're all on different levels spiritually, but as a whole, we have passed the litmus test for being his disciples when hot water has been applied because we understand that love of each other is the litmus test that to tell us if we're his disciples. Let's pray. Father, 
In Jesus' name, I just thank you for this amazing congregation, the work that you're doing in the hearts of men and women and children. God, I thank you so much that as you have brought us back to the very core, the nucleus of what we were supposed to be, that Holy Spirit, you are inspiring on the inside of us, that there is something that is beginning to be birthed on the inside of us, a purpose of who we are supposed to be, the reason for our callings and our blessings and our talents and the things that you place on the inside of us are coming to life. And I speak it right now, and I thank you that Living Word Family Church, that we are different, and that we're different simply because we follow the mandate, Jesus, that you gave us to proclaim the gospel and to make disciples, to be disciples. In Jesus' name, 